Here's the story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. All of them had hair of gold, like their mother, the youngest one in curls. Here's the story of a man named Brady who was busy with three boys of his own. They were four men living all together, yet they were all Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Behind the Curtain. This is Paul Lisnick from WGN-TV, but having fun in my podcast world, Behind the Curtain. And, you know, that song, if you don't know the song, you don't live on this planet. Uh, because that, of course, the theme from the classic, iconic show, The Brady Bunch. And, yes, I'm going to get to visit with one of those Brady kids. You know, uh, since he and I are about the same age, why I call him a Brady kid, I have no idea. But that's the magic of television. Joining me to talk about a new movie coming out and lots of other things, because you can't ignore The Brady Bunch, Christopher Knight. He was Peter Brady. Hey, Chris, thanks for being with me. Oh, it's my pleasure, Paul. The song is rather familiar. I knew I knew it. From yeah, well, of course, and that kicked in with season, I think season three, because that, that those are the you kids singing it, although we'll talk about your singing uh, as part of this interview. I do have to tell you, you do a lot of interviews. I know a lot of people tell you they're Brady fans, but I'm guessing you haven't been interviewed by somebody who has a collection of a variety of things, but that includes uh, Barry Williams or Greg's Johnny Bravo lyrics. Clowns never laugh before, you know, that little thing. Um, you, you do, huh? Have that uh, framed. I've got Robert Reed's wig and mustache that I got from his daughter, Karen, uh, when he played his own grandfather, if you remember that one. And most importantly, everybody grows up relating to a Brady. You were mine. You were about the same age. And in college and graduate school, where we put on these productions probably illegally without rights, but we performed the scripts of the Brady Bunch, I was Peter. So I just want you to know, you and I were close. I, I feel challenged now in this interview that, 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 that you have channeled Peter because he is universal. He is, he is all of us in the middle. I, I will ask you this. He is. When you grew up as a child, you identify with Peter. Were you, in fact, in the middle in your family? Some were not the oldest, some were not the youngest. Some in the middle. I wish I could say, yeah, I, there were only two of us. I have an older brother. I'm the younger, so it should make me a Bobby. But, but um, it may have just been that our ages are the same. But I just connected with you, and, and just so much about you, I think, I connected with my personality. So, uh, yeah, no, it's I can't tie it that. We can't do the psychological survey on it, but you and I are kindred spirits, whatever you think. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, I hey, welcome so you for, family. All right. Well, thank you so much. And we're going to talk about the movie coming up. But first, I have to ask the question, who won the contest? Contest the Movember mustache contest, you or Barry Williams? Joey, you realize after running one of these things, there's, there's, there's no tool for actually um, uh, synthesizing an answer for us. So we're having to go through and count them. And it's a laborious process. Uh, we haven't we haven't gotten a true number yet, but it, frankly, um, it's not overwhelmingly uh, one either way. So that's why it's taking a while. Uh, I assume that I would lose because Barry is uh, <laughs> genetically superior in the uh, lip hair growth uh, area. 
uh, of life. Uh, he always has been. His brother, um, who is who is now uh, passed away, the soul Scott, always had a mustache that looked like something right out of um, adult films. You know, it was just a. Uh, you can tell he's got. I mean, it's now white, which I'm, sh- which Barry tells me was quite a surprise because he hasn't grown a mustache in a while. Um, that it came out all white as it has, but he has he has a far superior uh, growing capacity than I do. That I'm even in the race is a surprise to me. Um, I think he'll win, um, and I, I, you know, frankly, just pleased to be able to bring the attention to uh, men's health issues um, as it's become something that I do every. Every November, I mean, when I when I was young, and it hasn't changed much. Um, yeah, I grew a mustache, you know, like a like Freddie Prince did, you know, sort of sort of there, kind of um, long, like a nineteen year old uh, does. Right. But my my mustache what? really hasn't gotten any better. <laughs> yeah, you also had kind of I think you had your you had your Freddie Prinze mustache as Peter, although you, it was a fake one, but you put it on. But I certainly remember that. Hey, let's let uh, we're, we're, the lifetime folks will get mad if we don't talk about what we're supposed to talk about. So <laughs> let's spend a, a little yeah. bit talk. You got it. The movie Blending Christmas. I have watched it already. They sent me a screener, so I was happy to be able to do that. And uh, it, it premieres on December 12th, 7 p.m. Central Time on Lifetime, which in Chicago, Comcast 228 is where you'll catch it. I thought it was great fun, but I got to say something right up front. Yes, we get about four Brady Brady's in it. You're not Brady's in this thing. It almost seems as though you guys, while the whole world will identify you with those characters, you can now play different characters, even though you appear with each other, which always excites everybody. You know, it's interesting because true when, whenever we're invited and we often are to come back and, and reprise our roles, we're playing Brady's. Um, uh, and in this case, though, um, though we're not playing Brady's, which sort of, reprised our roles um you know in that insofar as that our roles are about being in a family um and the dynamics that ensue uh in this particular production of blending christmas we are of two families um that are being blended by virtue of uh some nuptials that are um well intended to happen around christmas at a very magical uh vacation location that um that are uh a heroine uh, remembers fondly from her childhood, uh, played by um, Haley Duff. Erin uh, O'Connell plays Liam, her um, her fiance uh, or intended fiance, who works actually for um, Haley's character. Um, Haley's character is—I can't remember—Emma. Uh, uh, he works right. for Emma's father. In any case. They bring the families together, and of course, when you bring dis- disparate families together, there's there's some hijinks. Um, but also, uh, families are magical. The place is magical, and it's Christmas time. So, uh, like, in, or in true, good, and very Brady fashion, um, there is a happy ending. Of course, it's a Christmas. It's a Christmas story, and, and therein um, something that I. Um, discovered through this process. Now, we haven't done a Christmas movie other than a Brady Christmas uh, way back in the day, and then we did, um, you know, uh, 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 a short series, uh, a series of episodes in the 90s where Christmas played into it, and, and then we went to Easter and sort of covered the gamut. But we never, never, I've never done a, um, a holiday Christmas uh, movie in the past, and realized in doing it that the stories are 
very Brady, and that Brady itself is very Christmas. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, there's going to be a challenge, uh, no matter how large or small, it's going to be overcome by the end of our film. And we're all going to feel good about ourselves. And and that is essentially the same for, for Christmas movies and and Santa Claus. And, and then that makes me think that like the whole time around Christmas is a time when we all feel more generosity toward one another. There's yeah. um, a, a warmer feeling for a fellow man. Um and that is also something that's engendered through the Brady experience, although it's not done around and or just at the holiday season. The Brady's are like a um, an old pair of sweats, you know, that are very comfortable to and wear. It, we know where it's going. Uh, we know it's going to wrap up nicely and we're going to feel good about ourselves. So to speak, Carol will get her voice back. Let's put it that way. Um, that's not yet, also exactly. Peri- Exactly. And by the way, with you, Brady fans, yes, you will not only get Chris, you'll get Mike Lookinland. I have to use character names. Not everybody knows real names. So he was Bobby, Barry Williams, Greg, Susan Olsen was Cindy, Robbie Rist. That's good old Cousin Oliver. Poor Robbie Rist and Cousin Oliver. He really never got a fair shake in that show. I've met him a few times. He's a nice guy. Great guy and a great talent. You know, he's a he's a musician. He has his own band, has for years. And you're right. He hasn't. When we have been brought back together, um, it's just the classic Brady's and not the 50 year uh, Brady's with, with Oliver. Um, now Oliver was, was a, a convention brought in to establish um, um, or reattach to a younger audience. Cause we were all growing up leaving behind the audience that we grew up with. We weren't le- actually leaving them behind. They were growing up with us, but the new audience uh, our show was intended for like four to, you know, 12 year olds. And so, um, they they brought in or found a way to bring in uh, Robbie Rist as cousin Oliver uh, to bring up the rear, if you will, to be the youngest. Um, yeah. You know, so he he only got a short time on the show, and when we started to do remakes and all, yeah, Robbie was never part of it. So it's a great pleasure in, in this uh, to find Robbie also involved. Yeah, he's a very nice guy, and again, like I said, he's he's very talented, and and uh, happy to see him on board. And by the way, Lifetime was smart. It's not just you guys, but fans, Talba Hopkins, uh, Greg Evigan. I mean, there are people in the show that people will remember. So Lifetime was very smart to just bring together a lot of people's favorite folks. It is, a, it really is a heartwarming movie. And, uh, and, and I'll, I'll emphasize again, December 12th at 7 p.m. Central Time, people want to catch Blending Christmas. You get lots of the Brady's. I have to note, Chris, there, there's a lot of Easter eggs, they're called, right? Uh, in, in this movie, which is homage to the Brady Bunch. So for example, uh, the Barry Williams character, he's an architect uh there's one scene this might be me taking it too far but there's a zoom call uh, during it and the way the box and i saw pre-final <laughs> cuts but the way it looks is it's like set up as a brady bunch box did you see that too or am i just being weird um you know you've seen it i haven't so i i certainly we all did our our little individual scene which is then edited into some zoom box formation that's then presented uh, for the audience on screen. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know how it's presented. So um, well, I'll have to look for that. We have our premiere next come week. On. Yeah, well, come on. You come over to my house, and I'll show it to you now. And by the way, there's also homage to Chicago. We have a lot of Chicagoans who listen in. It is set in – well, the first part of it is set in Chicago, though clearly nothing that involved you guys brought you here. didn't seem like you brought to Chicago. But you actually – you've got lots of ties to Chicago, right? A previous marriage, whatever. You've got a lot of ties here in Chicago. I, I have a current wife whose family is living uh, is from Chicago, so she's from Chicago. She's got back. 
uh, from Chicago, spent uh, Thanksgiving there, spent every Thanksgiving and uh, and Christmas in Chicago. So I'll be coming back uh, around the Christmas holiday. Um, yeah, we're out in the western suburbs uh, with uh, my wife, Kara, and her family. Well, those of us who live in the city, uh, that we, our passports don't often take us to the burbs, but we, we, we try and get out there. And uh, yeah, and I know you were married on Lake Michigan. Something else that I read, I just want to run it by you. I know you and Florence Henderson, who played Carol, your mom, were very close. You got your own parents, but you, you know, we're very close. And apparently it was very important to, um, that, that, to you and that she actually, she kind of blessed your wedding. She met Kara, uh, almost days before your, or days, she, she, Carol passed away, sorry, Florence passed away a few days after your wedding, but she met her, kind of gave her blessing to it. That mattered to you. Was that just entertainment gossip or was that the truth to that? No, there was some truth to that. There was, you know, um, truth to that because there was a great rival, not a rivalry, a battle, if you will, with my, with my ex and Florence that went rather public. That was rather uncomfortable. Um, and you know, Florence, <laughs> you know, she needs, she, she wanted a hand in making sure that she approved of my next, my next wife, which I thought was cute, but there was some truth to it. And, um, um, you know, I was not that it would have ultimately been the deciding factor, but it, I was warned by the idea um, that that Florence took to Kara and supported Kara, and that Kara, in turn, it was very important for her to be like um, by Florence. And yeah, unfortunately, um, we had dinner just um, well two weeks prior to Florence passing, and we were on our way out uh, back to Chicago to get married with with the because um, it was a very small wedding, and only Kara's family, locals to Chicago, invited. Um, and immediate family from my side, uh, Florence wasn't attending, but that when we got back to LA, we were going to get together and celebrate. Unfortunately, that never had a chance to happen because Florence passed away, unfortunately. And, um, very, you know, but, but we were left with this very warm feeling that she had blessed us. So, um, and I hadn't had that in the past and my mom had passed away. So my mom had no chance of ever meeting Kara. So, um, Florence was my mother, nonetheless, blessing yeah. our relationship and, you know, there, there, so far. It's worked very well. There, there's always been through the years a lot of comments that uh, from the part of Susan Olson, Mike Lookinland, that that Bob Reed was was he was more than a dad. I mean, more like a dad, a real dad, not just, uh, you know, Mr. Brady, your dad in the show. And I get a feeling for you as well. I mean, because everybody had their own parental issues growing up. But it looks like these TV parents, maybe that's why the show has lasted for nearly 50 years, because there is a warmth that was real in real life. You know, it, it, absolutely. Um, though it was play um, and it wasn't real, it was very real. Uh, we had very real relationships. Uh, and through it, uh, I'm sure Bob got to exercise some parenting that um, wouldn't have been available to him otherwise. I got a different set of parents, so I got a different view of parenting. Uh, certainly it wasn't, um, you know, everybody's uh, only obligation. It was, a, it was a group effort to present this family. It was Sherwood writing and, and protecting sort of the, the simplicity of the show. Uh, because the issues between Robert and Sherwood are legendary, and they all resulted from the simplicity of the show. Uh, and as much as I understood Robert, especially now as an adult, looking back on what he might have been complaining about, it was Sherwood who had to protect this thing, this Brady idea, 
which was a kid's show. And it was very simple and, a, you know, and there was a right for it to remain simple. And, and frankly, it's because of that simplicity and that, that um, dedication to um, this family that creates this evergreen property that we're still talking about 52 years later, because uh, it's, it's evergreen in that the home, re- regardless of when it is in time, is the first community all kids learn, um, well, uh, who they are in uh, and how to negotiate inside of. It's where they, you know, learn who they are. And, you know, it's what they're anchored to. So everybody has this, good or bad, and, and presenting it as a good family presented an alternative to that which I was experiencing at home, realizing that, you know, if you, you know, perhaps place different efforts and different priorities on um, the family dynamic, you could have a Brady-like environment. Uh, certainly it's simple, um, but you could try. It's aspirational. I, my family wasn't like that. So I actually enjoyed it. And I realize now how much of me is built from um, a combination of my real family and the Brady's as an alternative. And, and I look back fondly on it, realizing how much of whatever health I possess is in part presented to me or provided to me through this Brady experience. That's why, to you me, indeed. it's a psychological experiment when we talk about it, because I am fascinated why others are still drawn to it as well, uh, because there's something about there's something about it. And it's a representative of family for all the shows that preceded it, all those that even come after it. Um, but mostly those of that innocent uh, late 50s feel um, where there really isn't. Uh, it's simplified, but it's our view of what we want our family to be. And I don't know if there's anybody out there other than my own mom, who wished that their family wasn't like the Brady's. I think even she wished that her family was more like um, like the Brady's in, in so far as they all got along and worked together, respected one another, loved one another, and acted it. And, uh, and the, but there was, not there was this, di- when the show came on, this dynamic in the late 60s, early 70s, like Florence Henderson, it's reported she wanted Carol to get a job, but Sherwood Schwartz said, no, women didn't work at this time. We don't want you to do that. The whole idea of the show, of these this blended family, makes a lot of sense now, not back then. And I know Schwartz came across an article in the LA Times that said, hey, 3% of marriages are kids from different families. And then Lucille Ball, Henry Fonda, make yours, mine, and ours. So in many ways, the, the show was ahead of its time. Today, it would be passe as a concept. But at that time, it took some risk. It was edgy. Well, I mean, the risk in that it was blended. Matter of fact, if you look at everything that 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 sure uh, produced, uh, Gilligan's Island, um, uh, the Brady Bunch, and then it's about time. If you remember that, it was only short lived. Absolutely, I love that half, show. Half a year, but all of these are about disparate people locked together, having to learn to get along. So uh, Sherwood's theme um, was about getting along um, and, and how to make that happen, forced to get along, um, and. You know, we're still trying to learn that lesson. <laughs> and and the right. Brady's itself being produced when it was, and this is in the height of Vietnam, height of Watergate. I mean, in a very tumultuous time, sort of like we're living through right now. The show belied the, all that on the outside, and that's what it had to be insulated from. Um, you know, Florence wanting uh, Carol to work, me uh, wishing that there was more of the outside influence 
on our show because I'm turning 15. I'm a couple of years from you know needing a draft number and perhaps going over to Vietnam or having um, uh, you know to deal with that as a reality. None of that is being lived by the Brady. The Brady's yeah. were in fact already um, a throwback to 59, 61, 63, and that flavor. Um, that flavor, like, you know, when, when, when moms didn't work and they were stay at home, uh, but back in the 50s, you couldn't do blended. There, there wasn't, you know, um, you know uh, an appetite for it at that point. Right. But by the late 60s, there was. With this concept of unity, um, you know, I'm sure that um, in a, every blended family, there is a, a lot of, um, well, there could be difficulty in, you know, in having uh, a child accept a new parent as their parent. Like as mom, that's really not mom, you know, and perhaps at time of frustration and anger, uh, which, you know, befalls us all, there'd be the comment, you're not my mom. Never occurred on the Brady Bunch. Matter of fact, the only time we're even aware of it in working is in that first season, when the first season's about the families coming together. So the scripts are about the newness of that. And, you know, girls against boys um, and the zippering together of this group of, uh, you know, disparate people, these two different things. After the first season, it's never dealt with again. And even in our minds, you know, we have to remember, we're forced to remember on occasion, oh, yeah, that's right. We weren't really related. Uh, We're we're a, um, a blended family because. In script and in in um, in practicality, we were as as bonded as you know any genetically uh, uh, you know related family. Right. So, Chris, we have a few minutes left. So much I, I still want to run by, almost in a lightning round kind of way. So, let me sure. give me some quick yes or no answers because you've probably been asked these before. There's an episode where Marsha gets hit in the nose with the ball. Uh, you're supposed to throw it. Is it true you you couldn't hit her, but Sherwood Schwartz had to throw the ball? Uh, no, the football. <laughs> I threw the ball. Oh, okay. Oh, they that's fake hit. news. No, that was it, the, the ball was being thrown by the prop master, um, and with a couple of takes, we never did a lot of takes. Uh, it wasn't hitting her in the nose, and I was sitting out there because I got such glee in the whole thing that I asked to do it, um, and I threw the ball and hit her in the nose. Oh, good for you! And I guess she was really hurt, right? It really hurt her. It really hit her. <laughs> well, it really hit her. It was a Nerf ball before there was a Nerf ball. Um, okay. <laughs> so special effects made this really, really lightweight ball. Um, and though it was lightweight, it still, you know, had some mass to it and had to hit her in the nose. And, mm-hmm. and she was all girl, right? So any anything it. hitting her was going to fluster her. The big issue there was she wasn't supposed to flinch as the ball was coming in, which is not easy to do um, right. when this mass comes flying at you. Uh and uh, that that was one of the problems as well is getting the ball to hit her, and then also for her not flinching when it did. Gotcha. Also, quick yes or no: True, Joyce Bolafont almost got cast as Carol, but once Andy Davis got cast as Alice, that wasn't going to happen. It wasn't because of Alice. It wasn't because of Ann B. As I understand it, it was because of Bob Reed. They had two separate casts: one cast with boys with dark hair, the one that we see. And one cast with the boys with blonde hair and the girls with dark hair. And in that cast, Joyce Boulefant was the mom. 
And Gene Hackman was a choice over Bob Reed for uh, Mike initially, correct? Now, you know, that's apparently, that's a rumor that's not necessarily true. If I understand correctly, the Mike character as a blonde was James Franciscus. Franciscus, Francisco, yeah. Yeah, Franciscus was the blonde. There was a James Francioso and James Franciscus. But James Franciscus, I believe, was the blonde. And I think think that was the other choice for the blonde father. And uh, I don't know who the blonde boys were. Joyce Boulevard as the dark-haired mom with dark-haired girls. But because they got Bob Reed, who was a hot property after the Defenders, they went dark with the boys, blonde with the girls. Yeah, it was Franciscus went on to play, I think, a blind... uh, uh, detective or something in another show um i I do want to ask you about christopher knight furniture because true the shares that harry and Meghan merkel sat on and the oprah thing those were christopher knight furniture we can buy christopher knight furniture including the orange vase that got broken in the brady bunch look alike yeah (laughs) well i don't believe you can buy the orange vase but um you can uh yes christopher knight home is the brand um of of the furniture uh, available only online at uh at our four major um online resellers overstock Amazon, Target, and um, I can't remember our fourth. <laughs> um, uh, they changed names. Hmm. But in any case, but that's where it's available. It's only available online. And yes, it's a it's a fantastic uh, success story. Started the uh, the brand uh, by um, an ex business partner coming to me and saying, "Listen, I got this concept, and we'd like to do a brand under your name under this furniture entity that was already up and running." Uh, and it just blew up. It took off, and it's done wonderfully well. Um, and uh, you know, just to, to clear the record, I don't design the furniture, but I, 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 you know, sit alongside those who do, who make much better decisions than I would on recognizing um, what the popular uh, designs of the day will be, because you, you always have to be in front of that curve, um, and. Um, it's been just a, a, a hell of a ride. Uh, you know, something else, I, I talked to Lucy Arnaz a few weeks ago on the show, and we talked about the politics came up. I'm not going to start a politics conversation with you. We don't have time. But well, it's interesting. We talked about how Lucy and Desi pretty much stayed out of politics and when they got unless they got dragged into it in the Brady world. Of course, Susan Olsen got in a bit of hot water uh, when she did talk radio a few years back uh, for some comments that she made. But it looks like the cast is kind of you all steered away from politics. You don't get into that world. Is that by design or is that not of interest to you or is it just too dangerous to venture into that world when you have the image that you do it's limiting it's limiting and it's not you can't win uh right now we're so polarized that um you know I, you know i follow politics and i have my feelings on this and that but i don't care to jump in uh, uh you know and and make those known i think um brady's are about getting along and uh, seeing all sides. So I'd rather be that. But plus, we're a little old school, right? Uh, old school is um, you don't present everything. You, you keep some being a fan of anyone means that there's something about that individual that you'll never really know. There's a whole different approach today with with um, uh, social media to present everything. Um but if, once everything is kind of known about you, it, it's only a matter of time before you're not interesting anymore. But there's always going to be somebody else that will be yeah. the next thing to learn everything about. Uh, it's a different approach. It's not my approach. I'm old school that way. I'd rather uh, sit back and let 
part of me be a mystery? Um, uh, you know, I, I um, in the public square, uh, choose at this time not to take any sides. Yeah, I, and, and, and I get it. I just want to run that by you. I do have a favor to ask of you. I'm going to ask Chris, to, my producer, to play clip number three. We're going to hear the original, and I, 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 it's embarrassing, but, it, you know, it's history. Chris, to hit number three. Chris will understand. Hi, Mom. Hi, Alish. What's for dinner? Pork chops. Pork chops. Huh? What else? Applesauce? Pork chops. An applesauce. And that swell. Have you got something stuck in your teeth? Why do you say that? All right, Chris. If you come to my home for dinner, what would you like me to serve you? Of course. Pork chops and applesauce. Pork chops. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I can't do it anymore. Be my your... doesn't form. I can't get my lip around my teeth like I used to. Uh, I just love it. Um, it's so much to talk to you about, and 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 there's no time yeah, to do it. it. I want to thank you, uh, and I hope I get to talk to you again. I do want to remind people that the movie Blending Christmas, involving four of your favorite Brady Bunch characters, uh, along with some other great stars, it premieres on December 12th on Lifetime at 7 p.m. Chicago time. That's Comcast 228 and whatever else you get. That's what I get, so uh, wherever else you want to watch it. Um, uh, Chris Knight, thank you for being with me. Thank you for saying pork chops and applesauce. Um, thanks for letting me be your doppelganger through the years in, in various productions. And uh, I wish you happy holidays. And we're going to go out playing a little bit of, you're not a great singer. You've admitted to that, but here's one of your I fine know moments. I'm not. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. <laughs> all right. I think I'll go for a walk outside now. The summer sun's calling my name. I hear you now. I just can't stay inside all day. I gotta get out. Give me some of those rays. Well, if you want to know more about what we've talked about here, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Paul Lisnick. That's P-A-U-L-L-I-S-N-E-K. And I'd love to hear your comments or topic suggestions for future podcasts. You can also go to my website, paullisnick.tv. And hey, don't forget to hit subscribe on WGN Plus and iTunes. And tune in each week to hear more Insider Scoop coming to you from behind the curtain.